the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the producers of this program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Salem Media of New York, LLC, or its parent company. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. So those of you who are new to the show, the show is in two parts. The first part, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. And by the way, if anybody wants to schedule an appointment with me and one of the other attorneys in our offices, we have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The second part of the show, and it's not equal parts by any stretch, we interview personalities, we talk about politics, history, religion, nostalgia, entertainment, and tonight we're going to be talking a little bit on the lighter side with Dee Wallace, who's one of my favorite actors from different ghost stories and werewolf movies and so forth, and a much more serious, say, controversy. We're going to talk about Juanita Broderick, who she claimed that Bill Clinton raped her back in the uh, 1980s. You know, every week, Kevin McCullough gives us uh, an opportunity to ask a question on his show. If you want to email any questions, you ask myconnors at gmail.com. And we'll take at least one email question a week on the Kevin McCullough Show. And then some of the leftover questions or the questions we don't get to on the Kevin McCullough Show, we'll answer on this show. But here we go, Kevin McCullough. Every single week, we promise you that uh, Mike Connors will come and answer your legal question here at Kevin McCullough Radio. And this week is no exception. Michael, the uh, question this week comes from Keisha in New York. She says, my grandfather is living in Texas and is thinking of moving to New York. How soon would he be eligible for Medicaid? Are the laws different in other states? Thanks. Mike Connors? Okay, well, the laws are different in every state. In Texas, for whatever reason, they do not have as many benefits for senior citizens as they do in New York. New York is very generous toward its senior citizens. Also, New York is very generous in applying residency requirements. So, in effect, if Keisha's grandfather moves up to New York, let's say the beginning of February, He's entitled to benefits as of March 1st, oh, wow. first day of the month after he moves in and establishes his residency here. You know, you would need certain things like uh, lease or 
utility bills, whatever, to show he's living in New York. But it's very quick in New York to establish residency in New York for benefits. Thanks again to Kevin McCullough for airing these questions once a week. Now, our first guest tonight is going to be Dee Wallace. And Dee Wallace was in, I think, there are two great werewolf movies. The original one with Lon Chaney, if it was the original one, back in <laughs> 1940, 41, with uh, Claude Rains and Patrick Knowles. And the second great werewolf movie, I think, is The Howling, which stars our guests coming up now, Dee Wallace. She was also in Cujo, uh, E.T. I think she's done about 100 films or whatever. And even now, she's doing some horror films where she pays the grandmother in the horror films. And I think the last one out on Netflix right now is Red Christmas, which is a, a different type of movie. Wouldn't you say so, Beth? I did. We saw it, and it's very interesting. So in the, for the, it's a genre show, so just enjoy it. I have a lot of respect for her because you have so many actors that they seem to be full of themselves. She know what she knows herself. She knows what she likes to do as an actor, and just goes for it. And it's refreshing. And you and I, we've seen so many of her movies, and we like spooky movies. So it, it's it's fun. So I just appreciate her very much. She was also very good in The Frighteners, that ghost story with Michael Fox. Oh, absolutely. That was um, Jackson's movie before the... the um, Jackson, yes. Yeah, before he did the um, Tolkien um, trilogies. So, yeah, no, she, she's great. She puts, she like she said, she likes to scream and cry. She puts her heart, heart and soul into it, and it's great. It's just great. Okay, so on the lighter side, we're going to be talking to Dee Wallace. On the more serious side, Juanita Broderick. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or Connors connorsandsullivan.com We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. 
Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is Dee Wallace, and in my opinion, they're two great werewolf movies, the original Wolfman with Lon Chaney and The Howling with Dee Wallace, and we're very happy to have Dee Wallace on our show today. How are you doing? I'm awesome, and thank you for that, that nice comment, so I appreciate that. Of course, that's not the only film you did. You did Cujo and E.T. and Critters and I don't know how many other films. But uh, you're, you're Yeah, I've got about 250 credits <laughs> yeah. now. Now, you're just saying you've got a, a film out on Netflix right now, Red Christmas? Yes. I just love this film. I shot it in Australia. It's a Christmas horror film. It's very campy. But it also it also addresses a lot of very important issues um, in society. It's it's kind of a crazy mixture of a lot of things for a horror film, but it's really well done. Worked with all the top actors from Australia, and uh, you guys are going to like it. If you like horror films, you're going to like this film. Okay, we'll have to take a look at it then. You've got a, a series coming out on Amazon, Just Add Magic. What's about that? Well, it's been on for a, a couple of seasons now. It's on Amazon Prime, so you can go on and download it, um, binge watch it. It's actually a, a really beautifully done family show, and um, it's targeted at ages 6 to about 15, but the whole family really loves it. It's about a magic cookbook. I play my first grandmother role. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's just a really, really it's got a huge following, guys. Just a huge, huge following on Amazon Prime. So if you want, if you're looking for something that you can sit down and watch with your kids and your family, it's a it's a good choice. And you were talking about another project coming out, uh, horror film again. Yes. Uh-huh. I have a film called Death House that Regal Cinemas is uh, releasing um, countrywide in February. So check your local theaters. And what's it about without giving us, uh, you know? Well, Death House is, uh, is literally about this facility where um, a lot of well, okay, let me see. How can I say this without giving it away? A lot of homeless and and deranged and and dangerous people are taken to this place to see if we can actually find a way to eliminate um, evil. <laughs> but in trying to eliminate evil, we do things that are probably more evil than the evil itself. You've been in a lot of horror films or The Howling and, well, even Cujo is, is kind of like a horror film. you got a monster there of sorts. The Frighteners, Supernatural. How did you get involved in these roles? Were you just the right person at the right time? Well, you know, I'm a good screamer and I'm a good crier and I love emotional stuff and I love playing big arcs. And horror films just kind of lend themselves to all those things that I love. Did I go looking for them? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, when you're a beginning actor and they call you for a film like The Hills Have Eyes, the original Hills Have Eyes, you know, and it's a lead part, you don't go, oh, wait, do I really want to hook myself into horror films? No. 
you go, ah, I got a part. <laughs> it's the beginning of my career, you know? So so that's all, it's all exciting then. And, and, and then, of course, I did 10, which is not a horror film, and E.T., which is not a horror film, although it lends, lends itself to the sci-fi horror, you know, genre. So I've kind of been all over the map, but yeah, I I attract a lot of horror films, and I I like I like doing all that big emotional art stuff. I I get really bored playing Hi, how are you? Gee, let's go to the store. Are you okay today, sweetheart? Kind of things. <laughs> you know, it it doesn't rock my boat as an actress as much. Let me ask you a question. When you see yourself back in the films, let's say like 10 or The Howling or something like that, how, how do you feel watching yourself years ago? You know, I, I have to say most of the time I'm able to just go along for the ride now and watch the movie. Yeah, sometimes I still critique myself. And a lot of times I will look at a movie from back then and go, oh, DC, you need to get back to that. You need to get back to that purity and that place where you didn't know what you were doing or going to do, right? You didn't have a plan. You were in the moment. Uh, I do that a lot because I've done a lot of TV now, and TV kind of begs you to, unfortunately anymore, not take the risk that most actors love to take um, when, when they're really in the moment. Films, yeah, TV, not so much. So I've really got to, whenever I go in for a film, I've got to give myself permission to go all the way and be brave and be ballsy and try stuff because they, you know, they really pull you back on from doing that on TV. Now, my producer tells me you have a radio show on, on the West Coast and you talk about healing. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, yeah, I actually, it goes uh, um, out over the Internet worldwide. I have a lot of clients in Australia and China and New Zealand and Switzerland. and <clears throat> But it's a free call-in show. I'm a clear audience channel, so um, I receive information. My My greatest gift is to be able to reach into somebody's energy and pull out where their blocks are from making money or um, creating satisfying relationships or health issues because all our health issues start in our energy first and then show up in our bodies. So people, it's a free call in. People can call in and go, gee, I, you know, I think I want money and I'm doing everything I think right, but I'm not creating any more money in my life and, and, you know, give me some guidance from the channel and where am I out of alignment with what I think I want. It, it's incredibly empowering work. I I could do it 24-7. Uh, right now I have a, a special on for people who want to come in in relationship to another person, whether it's, whether it's parent and child or your significant other or an employee and in and their employer or friends to, because we come together in relationships usually to work on the same or very similar issue from totally different perspectives. And when you can understand why you came together 
to work on certain things, man, the relationship just takes off just like a light. It's amazing to watch. So it, it it's something I could do every moment of my life with great joy and be totally satisfied. Now, how do people contact you? How how, how do people ask you the questions? Um, I have a website. I am D Wallace. A M D E E Wallace dot com. And um, on the home page, there's a way to email me, uh, set up private sessions. I've got a lot of free stuff on my website if you want to go in and check out the free stuff, um, see if it is a fit to you. But, you know, basically it's a, it's a really great combination of spirituality and brain science and teaching you the responsibility of taking your own um, energy and directing it and focusing it on exactly what you want. Got one last question for you. If somebody, if okay. you were telling somebody, what is the best performance of D. Wallace? What, what should they watch? Cujo, hands down. Cujo, hands down. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. Short I, answer. I thought you'd say a little bit more about it. Well, you know, I feel like I went as far as I could go, as truthfully as I could go there in every moment of that film, and. Of course, I love E.T., and of course, I love The Howling, but Cujo asked me to dig down and go to places and stay in places and feel places so far beyond anything else I've ever done. It, it was a, a huge challenge, and I'm extremely proud of my work in that film. You have a right to be proud. Thank you for sharing your thoughts Thank with you. us. Of course. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org 
or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is a person of great courage who's not afraid to speak out even though she's been vilified over the years. And, and who I'm talking about is Juanita Broderick, and she has a book out. You better put some ice on that. How you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine, Mike. Thanks. Of all the abuse you've taken all these years, why are you opening the door up again with, with this book? Well, I've, I've really been pretty active for about the last two years since I first learned how to tweet and answered Hillary Clinton's tweet. Uh, but this really didn't start out to be a book. After I came back from the inauguration activities last year, I just I wanted to sit down at the computer and compile my life for my kids uh, and for my family to have, you know, with all the dates and everything that had happened to me. And I just thought it would be a good thing to leave for them. Uh, and then about Four months ago, I was contacted by a young investigative reporter out of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. His name is Nick Lully. And he contacted me wanting to do like a, um, a serialized documentary. And I told him, yes, I, I, would be, I would think about it and that would be good. And in the meantime, I sent him my journal. And uh, in a day or two after he had read it, he called me back and he said, we don't need to worry about a documentary. He said, we need to do a book. So that's really how it happened. I never planned to write a book. Can you take some of the listeners back? Because some people have heard your story, but other people may have just heard a, a you know, a, have a glimpse or two of what happened. Bill Clinton, sure. going back, he was attorney general of uh, the state of Arkansas. What happened? Right. Okay. Back in 1978, I was a nursing home owner and a registered nurse. And uh, at that time, I began hearing about Bill Clinton running for governor. You would see all of his ads on TV, and I just thought he was great. You know, I thought he was going to be great for Arkansas. So I began to work as a volunteer in his campaign. Uh, after my office hours, I would go around in the evening and put up yard signs and hand out uh, campaign information to all the people that I knew and others that I didn't know, that I, uh, I just would hand out information. And then after I'd been working in his campaign for about a month, I got a call from the uh, state headquarters, and they were requesting 
that my nursing home be one of the places that he visited on a campaign tour. And we were so excited. We thought, my, this is great. So uh, I told him, yes, we would love to have him. Notified all the newspaper and everybody when he was going to be there. And the family members were so anxious to meet him. So that's, in essence, what happened. The day that he came, uh, we had a photo op with uh, Mr. Clinton, myself, and two of my residents. And uh, after the photo op, he came over to me and started talking about me and asking questions about me and about the nursing home. And at the time, I was very interested in talking to him about our nursing home because we were really struggling. Well, all nursing homes in Arkansas were struggling with the reimbursement rate. And me being a nurse, it was just tantamount to me to to want to do the very best that I could for my residents, but we weren't being paid adequately. And he seemed very interested in this. And he said, are you ever in Little Rock? And I said, yes, I am. And I will be there in about three weeks for a nursing home seminar. And he said, well, when you get down here, he said, call my campaign headquarters and uh, we'll get together and talk about this. And listen, Mike, I was so excited. I worked for two or three days making graphs and all these charts for what it took to take care of one patient uh, adequately and then what we were being reimbursed. So I was really looking forward to this. And about, let's see, it was on April the 24th, 1978, my nurse, Norma Rogers, and I headed for Little Rock. Uh, We checked in at the Camelot Hotel on the 24th. And on the morning of the 25th, I called his campaign headquarters. And a young lady answered. I told her who I was and and that Mr. Clinton had told me to uh, call him when I was in town. And she immediately said, oh, yes, Mrs. Hickey, Mr. Clinton said, if you ever called, to be sure and call his apartment number. So I did, and Bill Clinton answered the phone, and I asked him if it would be possible for us to come over at noon during our break from the seminar to uh, bring all this information and talk to him. And he said, you know, I'm not going to be there today. He said, "Uh, why don't I just come to your hotel now? And I thought that was wonderful, you know, that he would be that nice enough to come over to my hotel. So I I told him, yes, I would love to uh, meet have him come over to the hotel. And he said, well, we'll just meet down in the coffee shop. And so I told Norma to go on to the meeting. And after I left the coffee shop, that I would be on to the meeting. Well, a little while later, Mr. Clinton gets to the hotel. He calls my room and he says, you know, it's so crowded down here. And there's some, there's reporters. He said, it would be more convenient if we would just have coffee in your room. And, you know, I mean, you're talking 40 years ago. Of course, I thought, I'm sure at that time I was a little bit uneasy, but This was the Attorney General of the state of Arkansas, and I had important things to talk to him about. So I told him, yes, that we could meet in my room and that I would order coffee to the room. So Norma goes on to the meeting, and Mr. Clinton comes up to my room, and just right after the people bring the coffee, he knocks on the door. And I look through the little 
uh, peephole, and there stands someone in the hall in sunglasses, and then I realize that it's him. And I open the door and usher him on into the room and uh, take him right over to the table where I have the coffee and all the information. And uh, I really don't like to go in. I'll go into the beginning of what happened. Uh, it, he goes to the, the, the window and he takes off his suit coat and just sort of throws it over the back of one of the chairs. And he starts talking and motions for me to come to him and pointing down below. My room looked out on the Arkansas River, and it looked down at some old dilapidated buildings. And he was wanting to show me a building in particular that he wanted to convert and restore. It was like an old 1800 jailhouse. And he pointed down to it. And as he did, when I walked over to him, he put his arm around my shoulder to point down to it. And that felt a little uneasy. So I sort of backed away. And he sort of looked at me strange and pulled me to him rather rather quickly and tried to start kissing me. And that's when I told him, no, I'm a married woman, but I also have other things going on in my life. And, I mean, I made it very clear that that is not what I wanted. I had invited him up to the room only to talk business. And things went bad from worse. I mean, they, they really went bad right after that. And uh, that's when the rape occurred. Pushed me backwards onto the bed. And when I got loud, he would bite on my top lip. And that I, I can still remember how frightening and how painful that was. And I don't really like to go into the specifics, so I'll pick up after the rape occurred. I, I, I was... Uh, I was devastated. I'd never been attacked by a man like that. I had never even known anyone who had been raped or or someone had tried to rape them. This was unknown to me. And I'm a registered nurse, but it was just still something I had never experienced or heard about. And so after the rape was over, I sat up on the side of the bed. I was crying. I mean, I was truly crying, trying to cover myself with the sheets and everything uh, from the bed. And and I look up at him, and he's just looking at me with this with, with this look of bewilderment and frustration, like, what was I crying about, you know? And uh, he he calmly puts on his suitcase suit coat, and he walks to the door. And he puts on his sunglasses and he motions with his hand to me and to my face and says, you better put some ice on that. And then just calmly walks out the door like it was an everyday occurrence. Did you ever think at that time of, of going to the police or whatever authority? No, I never even. In, this man was the attorney general of my state. I had no I had no witnesses except for the lady that found me 30 minutes later. Uh, I, I mean, he was the attorney general. He was about to be governor. He regulated my business. Everything went through the attorney general's office, 
and the governor's office regulating nursing homes in Arkansas. I wanted nothing to do with telling anyone what happened to me. I blame myself for allowing this monster to come to my room. That was the mentality back then. You know, it was it was uh, men will be men, just deal with it. Even though this was a horrific thing to deal with, I never wanted to come forward, and I never wanted anyone to know what I felt at that time I had allowed to happen to me. Juanita, we're going to have to take a short break. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're talking to Juanita Broderick about being raped by Bill Clinton. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500 or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. Do you want to hear your parish priest talk more about abortion and the pro-life movement? The key mission of Priests for Life is to help priests do exactly that. The first place to start is to listen to your priest and learn how he thinks. What is he most interested in and passionate about? Then, when you find out, link that issue with the abortion issue. For example, a priest who told me that he did not preach much about abortion also told me he was interested in efforts to stop drug abuse. When I told him that those who have abortions are more likely to abuse drugs, it gave him a new motive to preach about abortion. Find out more about how you can help your priest at priestsforlife.org. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Hi, this is Patrick Wayne. I had the good fortune to be raised by a man of strength and courage, a man of true grit. My father, John Wayne, died of stomach cancer in 1979. And in his characteristic style, he ignored advice to keep his disease quiet and campaigned publicly to encourage preventive treatments. He inspired our family to carry on that mission. And today, the John Wayne Cancer Institute at Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California, continues to take bold steps in cancer research. The John Wayne Cancer Institute has developed novel approaches to detect cancer, establishes therapies to boost the immune system to fight what my dad called the big C, and initiated less invasive surgeries. We've made significant advances in treating melanoma and breast cancer. All this has been made possible by my father's legacy of determination and a community of supporters who have helped expand upon that legacy. For more information, visit www.jwcigiving.org. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're talking to Juanita Broderick about her experience with Bill Clinton before he became president of the United States. Now, do you think Hillary Clinton knew, and of course I know the answer, but did you think Hillary Clinton knew about it? 
I don't know that to the degree, except that time when I met her three weeks after the uh, uh, rape had occurred, I felt at that time she knew. Uh, I, you, would you like me to tell you about that? Please. Okay. I I was still in a state of shock after, I, I, I mean, this, this devastated my life. And before the rape, I was a very hard worker in his campaign. I had arranged for a fundraiser to be held at my close friend's home, Betty and uh, uh, Buddy Criswell. Betty and I played tennis together. Buddy was my dentist. And they had this beautiful home in Van Buren. So while I was still campaigning, I arranged for this fundraiser to be at their home. And I knew I wasn't going to attend the fundraiser, but, you know, I didn't even really think about it until the day before. And I called Betty and, and told her, I said, I can't come. I've had something come up and I can't come to the fundraiser, but I'll bring you the information that I have uh, beforehand. And then I, but I won't be able to stay. And she was very nice and she understood. She didn't know what had happened to me and she was very understanding. So I went up there early to her home. It was about 6.30. The fundraiser started at 7 and gave her the information and also had some checks that I wanted her to give to the lady from the state office. When I would go around in the evenings, people would give me checks for the campaign, and they were not more than $25, but it's everything I was wanting to get out of my hands and into somebody else's hands because I wanted nothing to do with that campaign from there on out. But before I could get out, the Clintons come through the back kitchen area. And as they come in, a friend of mine who had driven them from the airport comes over to me. And he said, and, and, and his name is Chuck Watts. He was a local pharmacist. And he says, I just want you to know that the topic of the conversation all the way from the airport was the Clintons asking me about you. And I froze and I thought, I've, I've got to get out of here. I, I'm not going to stay around any longer. And so just about that time, I see Hillary Clinton standing in the kitchen and Betty standing with her and they're pointing to me. Betty's pointing to me. And here comes Hillary Clinton straight for me. And you know, Mike, at that moment in time, as I saw her coming, I can still remember thinking, Oh, this poor woman, this poor woman who's married to that monster. What on earth am I going to say to her? And she comes over to me and she takes a hold of my hand and she starts saying how nice it is to meet me and how grateful she and Bill are for, are for everything that I'm doing in the campaign and just very nice, pleasant smile. And I don't know if I nodded or if I said thank you before I turned to leave from her. Uh, but as I turned to leave, I felt somebody grab me from behind. And I thought someone was just going to tell me goodbye. And I turn around, and it's Hillary Clinton. And she has her hand on my arm. And she pulls me down to her. And she has a very angry look on her face. She's not friendly anymore. And she says to me, do you understand everything you do? And that was very frightening. I mean, I took my arm from her grip, and I walked out of there immediately. So in your mind, you had no doubt that was a threat? 
Oh, none, none whatsoever. And you know, it's the same as when Andrea Mitchell called me about two years ago and said, how do you know that's what she meant? And just as I told Andrea Mitchell on the phone, you would have had to have been standing in my shoes, felt the grip, heard the tone of her voice. You would have known what she meant. She was telling me, I know, I know what happened or I know something happened and it would be best if you stay quiet. How did you feel when Bill Clinton was elected president of the United States? Oh, my God. Up until that time, things had begun to come out in Arkansas about his past, and there were so many things that come up, and I would think with each one of these, oh, somebody's got to pull this man down. Some Surely somebody will come up with something, so I won't have to. It was devastating, you know, it to see him rise in power and know that I was keeping something quiet that was that that was so horrible. Uh, it was so difficult. Why did you decide eventually to go public and why? Oh, I never decided to come forward. I was outed by the Paula Jones suit. You know, that was never I, – I, I was comfortable in life. I was a successful businesswoman. I had – I had everything that I could want except for that uh, losing that memory of what had happened to me on April the 25th. But I was happy in my life. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Paula Jones lawsuit. And I was indignant. I was angry. I wanted nothing to do with it. And that's exactly what I told my attorney. I, get me out of this. I am not coming forward. And so that's when I denied it. I knew if I denied it, I would never be subpoenaed by the uh, Jones lawsuit. And then what happened? And then here comes Ken Starr, okay? Approximately, uh, it was several months after I had denied in the Paula Jones suit. And so my attorney uh, calls my son. My son is an attorney. And he says, I've gotten a, a request for an interview and deposition from Ken Starr. And my son came to see me here at my home. And he said, Mom, this is serious. My son had known about it since he was a teenager. And he says, this is serious. He says, when you're talking about Paula Jones, you're talking about a civil lawsuit. He says, this is federal. He said, you've got to go ahead and come forward and tell the truth. And I, at that moment, I remember saying, I can't. I cannot bring out what happened to me I just I can't talk about it and he said I know that's how you feel but we don't have a choice he said you've got to come forward so I thought about it and so yeah I agreed with him it was time I had to go ahead and face the music and I did so that's when I told the uh, Dave Shippers investigators what had happened you know I'd hate to say it this way but the media didn't believe you no, no, of course they didn't. I don't think it was convenient for him, Mike. I think this was uh, a president that most of the mainstream media had always supported. And you didn't have everything like the Me Too that you have now going on. And you didn't have the New York Times coming forward saying, I believe Juanita. It was a different time. Uh, they, they didn't, whether they... They believed me and didn't want to admit it, 
or they didn't believe me. I don't know. But, you know, even at, the, at, at this time, there were a lot of other factors. There was Jennifer Flowers. There was Monica Lewinsky. There was uh, Miss Willie. You know, I mean, Paula Jones. I mean, you weren't the only one who said anything. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, and with each one of those that came out, I kept thinking, you know, it's going to happen. They're going to bring him down. And with each time, I was so relieved that I didn't have to come, you know, that I, that I wasn't being forced forward until the Paula Jones suit came out. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard after I had lied in the Paula Jones suit to come into those investigators from the impeachment from the general counsel and say in detail what had happened to me. You know, that was that was extremely hard. All right, so we fast forward and Hillary Clinton runs for president. What's your reaction? Well, when she first ran, when she was wanting the nomination, I supported Barack Obama. I gave probably $5,000 to the Barack Obama campaign just so she wouldn't be in there. You know, I wasn't a Democrat. I wasn't a Republican. I just did not want her in. But then when she ran uh, in 2016, I, I got involved sort of in the backdoor fashion. Hillary, in uh, November of 2015, put out her tweet that all victims of sexual abuse should come forward and be believed, uh, something to that effect. And I had to see that play over and over on the TV about her saying that. And then in January of 2016, I thought, you know, I've got to answer her. And I don't know how. And so I remembered Twitter, and I thought, you know, I'm going to reply to this, to her tweet on Twitter. So I had to call my grandson when he got home from school and have him walk me through how I do a tweet. And so I worked on it after he gave me the instructions what to do. And then that next morning, I remember sitting here in my kitchen where I'm sitting right now thinking, Okay, how do I get this? Working it all through, getting it so no little red letters come up. And then I had it done perfectly. Mike, I did not say anything that I hadn't said in the 25 previous years. Uh, I mean, in the 20, yeah, 20 so previous years. It was the same thing that I had said. And I, but it was instant and it was to the world. And when I punched tweet, I mean, all hell broke loose. Uh, and my phone started ringing off the wall, and my son called me. I, I didn't ask him. I didn't tell him what I was going to do. I, I had no idea the power of Twitter. I was a 73-year-old woman that was, you know, just learning how to use Twitter. And he said, Mom, what did you do? And I said, I don't know. I mean, that was the one. I probably had a hundred messages on my my uh, uh, my phone machine that I just stopped answering. Completely stopped answering. Had no idea. I mean, that tweet went viral. This is changing the subject slightly, but it's a different world today. What do you think about Me Too and, and so forth? Women coming out today. I think it's good. You know, I think it's good for those women to have 
responded to Alyssa Milano's tweet of, you know, if you've been sexually abused, tweet me too, reply me too. But I don't think it, I don't think it did what maybe they hoped it would do. I think it got the Hollywood people on the cover of the Time magazine, and I don't think it included everybody. I think this was a, 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 a liberal movement, and I, I, that's honestly what I believe. If you were a Hollywood socialite, then this was a good thing for you to tweet. But what happened to all those millions of people that tweeted that, that bared their soul, came out and said, you know, me too. Where are they now? Where have they had the space to process what happened to them? They got no, they got no recognition. They got no, no kind of relief for the pain that they suffer, but the Hollywood people did. I have one final question for you. Do you think Bill and Hillary Clinton are ever going to meet justice in this world? Oh, gosh. Just like I tweeted here a while back, I've been through so many gotcha moments with them, and, and they've been bulletproof. I feel a little bit better about it. I feel like that the time may be coming, but no, I have no idea. Uh, they, they have gotten by with so much, and I hope so, but I'm a little doubtful. Thank you, Juanita, for telling your story. The name of the book, you better put some ice on that, the story of Juanita Broderick and Bill Clinton. Thank you very much for sharing your story with us at Connor's Corner. Hey, Mike. So nice to talk to you. You know, that's kind of a chilling interview, isn't it, Beth? Oh, it's awful. Um, of course, you and I grew up in that era where we were hearing that news cycle day after day after day with with President Clinton. And um, I always thought he was a scary person. And that's just from a, a woman's point of view. I think Juanita Broderick is the most credible of all the people that um, that came out against him because he molested her. He raped it her. It wasn't. I know that. I know that. And, you know, he bit her. She had to have, um, she had to go to the doctor because he bit her. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he roughed up a lot of people, but I think this is the worst because she was professional and he, you know, he, he trapped her, and like you said, he raped her. Um, and I, there is a big difference these days between someone who feels like they're insulted by a man and someone who is assaulted by a man. And I think, I think we all, women, need to keep things in perspective. Um, there, I, I'm, I'm very angry with a lot of the the group think in women's circles these days because a lot of the things that they're saying are assaults are not. You know, if someone comes up to you and says something like, Hey babe, you wanna you wanna go out on a date and you don't want to, say, No, I don't want to and that's it. But if someone, you know, pushes you into a room and attacks you, that's a that's a bad person you can't put all these things together that's just not right it diminishes the evil that some men really are let's just hope there's some justice in this world and we'll see if 
that ever happens. Now, I know there's some confusion about when we're on the air now. Again, we're on each Saturday morning at 8 o'clock on WMCA 570, The Answer. If there's no sporting event, we're on each Saturday night on 970, The Answer, at 6 p.m. And, again, the same thing. If there's no sporting event on Sunday at 5 p.m., we're at 970, The Answer. So it's 8 o'clock Saturday morning on AM 570, WMCA, 6 o'clock Saturday night, 6 p.m., at 970, The Answer, and 5 p.m. on Sunday, 970, The Answer. I hope you can keep it straight because sometimes I have a problem. But we're going to be around (laughs) on those times, so please listen in if you're home. I have to think about it, too, so if y'all are out there, don't think like, wait, 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 what was that? I have to redo this in my mind every time the weekend comes up. So, <laughs> Okay, so listen to us next week. Absolutely. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.